Okay, is it on now? All righty. First Samuel 14, enjoyed the fellowship, getting caught up a little bit on what's been going on. And I remember when I was pastoring that for some reason, I don't know if I have a reason or figured it out yet, but I always seem to like Sunday night better than Sunday morning. Now, I love Sunday morning. You work all week for Sunday morning because that's, you know, Sunday morning. But it just seemed like on Sunday night, oftentimes it was just the, the home crowd and people more a little bit more relaxed and just have a little bit more, uh, should I say, fun in the house of the Lord. It just I don't know. I just, I just like Sunday nights. So I hope you all are enjoying this afternoon. I hope you're going to stay awake. Uh, what a challenge I'm giving now. If we had some uh, good lunch, we're all full. We're all leaning back in our seat. And we're all like, Ooh, you know, it's like, this better be good, Bubba. That's all I'm saying, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know but uh, nonetheless, <clears throat> it's in 1 Samuel 14. Let's, uh, let's read our text, and then we'll get started. So go ahead and stand, because we're... We're going to be a while. We've been done at least by 7.30, I'm thinking. So you want to stretch a minute, honor God's word as we're standing here. in 1 Samuel 14, right after 13 of most of the Bibles there. So let's go ahead and start here, chapter 14, verse 1. Now, it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side, but he uh, told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gabeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migrin, or Migrin. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passage by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Boaz, and the name of the other was Shena. Uh, the forefront of the one was situated northward over against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gabeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bears armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For there's no restraint to the Lord to say by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart, turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Let's pray. Father, we're excited to be in the house this afternoon. Lord, we're going to be more excited you show up and just take over and Use this, thy word, to stir your saints for your glory. And, Lord, I'm praying that we uh, go into this camp already stirred up and on fire. And, and you just add fuel to the fire all week. And come Friday, Lord, we, we've just had a great time meeting with you. Souls have been saved and folks got right and refreshed. And, oh, Lord, meet with us because you're God and there's none else. So, Lord, have your way now for Jesus' sake. We love you. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The title is this, There's No Restraint to the Lord. Now, I'm going to confess something right off the start because I stole this introduction because I liked it better than the introduction I had on this sermon. So I heard it here back February, and I said, wow, that's pretty good. So I, I stole it, so I'm just being honest with you. You know how that when you hear, uh, you know, you read the Scripture, 
they pray. And in Greek, that means be seated. So everybody sits down and, and you're getting situated. You kind of scooch this way, maybe prop your foot up, get your notes out. You're ready to go, but you're really not tuned in yet. Okay, so I'm the only one that does that. So I was in this conference and I wasn't quite tuned in. I was going to be tuned in. I planned on being tuned in. And, you know, I'm just kind of getting ready to be tuned in, okay? And, and then this guy, he stood up and he says, why would you want to waste your life doing something great for God? I'm kind of like, what? And that caught my attention. I thought, and he said it again, why would you want to waste your life doing something great for God? I'm like, wait a minute. I want to use my life to do something great for God. So it really had my attention out. And he went on to say, because lost men do something great every day. But a lost man cannot do the impossible because it's impossible. But you and I serve the God of the impossible. Wow. Had my attention. Well, now I'm asking you folks. Lighthouse, this afternoon here when we're done, two or three hours, whatever it is, teasing, come on. Will you, what will you ask God for? Will you ask him for the impossible? Uh, maybe I could turn it around a little bit and say it this way. What has God asked of you? Does it seem impossible? Does it seem bigger than you are? What do you need to trust God for? Well, amen. What are you willing to give him to win? You know, I don't know what your sports preference is, but I could use a couple of analogies. Are you willing to leave it all on the field? Well, if you happen to like basketball, I could say, are you willing to leave it all out on the court? Or if you happen to like racing, I mean, we are in North Carolina, okay? Would you leave it all out on the track? And whatever your preference is, my question is, are you willing to give 110% to see God do the impossible? Amen? Well, we're going to look at a hero today. His name's Jonathan, who gave it all on the field, and he's seen God work the impossible. <laughs> Amen? I like it. All right, so here we go. We're going to take a look now at this hero. And he's a hero because he trusted God. So number one is Jonathan sees the need. Jonathan sees the need right here in chapter 14. If you back up just a couple of verses into chapter 13, chapter 13 and verse 15, let me bring us into the account. We're laying the groundwork here to get this thing rolling. So here we are in chapter 13, verse 15. Everybody there? Look at it. Look at it. And Samuel rose and got him up from Gilgal to Gabeah, Benjamin, and saw number of the people that were present with him, about 600 men. Now, church, you want to remember that because in a few minutes they're going to ask, how many men does all have? And you'll say 600, and you get the answer, okay? All right, all right, now, all right, verse 6, 16, there we go. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the people that were with him were, or, were present with them, abode in Gabeah of Benjamin, but the Philistines, here we go, encamped in Michmash. And the spoilers came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned the way that leadeth to Ophrah unto the land of Sheol. Another company and another company turned by the way of Beth Horon, and another company turned to the way of the border that looketh to the valley of Zebim, 
toward the wilderness. Now, <laughs> there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews should make them swords and spears. Always seems to be about gun control, doesn't it? Anyway, verse 20. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his shear and his cutler and his axe and his mattock. Yet they had a file for the mattocks and for the cutlers and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goads. So it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. But with Saul and with Jonathan, his son, was there found. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the passage of Michmash. Okay, so here's the situation. Jonathan sees the situation. Here they are. They're down about 600 men. And here comes the enemy. And I looked up in, uh, I forget where it was, but I was looking up, what is a garrison? How many men are in a garrison? And from the sources I found, it was uh, 5,000. Okay, so you have 5,000 men. And how many men did Saul have? Here's your chance. Good job, good job. All right, now I don't know if you noticed this or not, but even with new math, <laughs> you're like outnumbered. I mean by a long shot. And if you're not careful, you're going to start having a little bit of anxiety about right there because you have like 5,000 men. Oh, wait a minute. This gets better or worse, I guess you should say. Uh, your 600 men, uh, yeah, they don't have any weapons. These 5,000, they're armed to the teeth of all the latest technology, the spears and swords and armament and weaponry, and they're coming to get you. <laughs> well, anyway, you'd be stressing right there. Because that's impossible, right? How are you going to win? I mean, you're toast. <laughs> well, wait a minute. <clears throat> you know, it doesn't say. So this is a little injection, and I realize, but at the same time, apparently, God was dealing with Jonathan's heart, and the reason I assume that is because of what Jonathan does next. So here's the enemy of God. Jonathan sees the need, and now he responds to that need, even though his response is impossible. Amen. I don't know what the Lord is stirring this church to do, but if it's something you can do, it's probably not of God. If it's something you think, oh, that's impossible, that's probably from God. Yeah, because you think he's going to ask you to do something you could do? Now, wait, wait, you look at me kind of funny. Let's think about this. Then you would get the glory. But if it's something only he can do, and he does it through you, then he gets the glory. Amen? So have you considered this thought? This is the thought. God wants to use me to accomplish the impossible. Now, you're all looking at me like that's impossible, but I'm very serious. Do you realize God may want to use you very well to accomplish the impossible? Yeah. Amen. Well, number two is this. Jonathan recognizes the challenge. Amen. Well, he didn't tell his dad 
because his dad would have said, what, are you crazy? Oh, there are like 5,000 people. He got 600 and just you know that? That's crazy. That's impossible. Well, from our perspective, it is. You all aren't getting this, I can tell. There's like one Jonathan and 5,000 people that's completely armed. Now, however, Jonathan and his daddy, they both have a sword, but that's it. So they're still way out man, way out gunned, okay? That is impossible. Amen. All right, good. Now we're all on the same page. But if God tells you to do something, do it. Even if it seems impossible. And while we're on the subject here, that you know, the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And he used the penmanship of men chosen by him to do that. I understand that. But what I'm trying to say is that the Holy Spirit, when he writes Scripture, he, he starts somewhere and he goes somewhere and he finishes and he has a purpose for what he said. In other words, he's not going, oh, let's see, I need two more verses. Okay, I'll write this down. That's not how he wrote the Scripture. He wrote it with a purpose, agreed? So then verse 4 and 5 have a purpose. Look at it. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over into the uh, Philistines' garrison, there's a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Boaz, and the name of the other was Shena. The forefront of the one was situated northward over against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gabeah. Well, Jonathan, he recognizes the challenge here, and the Holy Spirit put this in the Bible here for a reason, and, and it points out that these are basically two cliffs. And one came up jagged and sharp and treacherous this way, and one came up jagged and sharp and treacherous this side. And anyway, they're side by side, and these two cliffs are between Jonathan and the Philistines' garrison. Everybody with me? Okay, and the name of the one is Boaz, and the name of the other is Shinem. And it says one is facing toward north. Now, which way is north? Which way is north? Why do I have two norths? Okay, this way is north. All right, north, all right. So this is the, the enemy camp up there, the, the, the northerners. Amen. It's just this Bible, okay? And, and it's up there. And the Philistines and the others are going to be down where the Israelites are, okay? I'm just pointing out obvious facts here. So, so that's the setting. That's the battlefield, okay? Now, we'll come back to that here in a minute. So, so this seems impossible. What's God want you to do? Does it seem impossible? Does it seem bigger than you are? Then it's probably what God wants you to do. Because I don't think God's going to ask us to do something we can do. He's going to ask us to do something that's impossible so he can work through us for his glory. Amen. All right, so that brings us to like number three. Number three is this. Jonathan is moved by faith in God. <laughs> Man, do I like this. Jonathan is moved by faith in God. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. Chapter 14, verse 6. And Jonathan said to the young man that buries armor, Come and let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or to save by few. So look, hey, come, come, let us go over. And it may be that the Lord will work for us. For there's no restraint to the Lord to say by many or say by few. 
Listen, folks, if you as a church, just two or three of you, would get together and trust God to work, huh, he's going to work. If a church of three, four, five hundred people were to get together and trust God to work, he'll work because there's no restraint to the Lord. And it just may be that God is going to work for Lighthouse Baptist Church. Amen. You believe in that? I believe that. Absolutely. See, God has a plan, and he's looking for someone or someones who will trust him to work to win the victory. This isn't an uncommon theme in Scripture, although you look at me like this is really weird, but it's really not because there's people in there like Ehud. I have a message, the left hand of Ehud and the right hand of God. Well, he delivers Israel from the Midianites. Remember the, remember the account? These aren't Bible stories. These are historical events. Amen. Remember Shamgar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Surely you know Shamgar. He's, he's this guy who takes on 600 Philistines by himself with a spear and whoops them. I'm thinking if you're going to make a movie, make that movie. I'd watch it. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? And I, go, I mean, that would be a good movie. Oh, amen. And Samson. Oh. Although Samson had his problems, God used him time and again to whip up on the Philistines, did he not? Amen, that's hope for me. God can use me. And wait a minute, is God calling you this afternoon to do the impossible for him? Amen. Maybe some young man in here who's been found faithful, the Spirit of God's been wooing, and he's calling you to preach. Maybe to be a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary. <laughs> that's impossible. I know. That's why I may be calling you. And for those he's called already, what are you going to ask him for? <laughs> Does God want to give you Roseville? What do you think? Amen. Have you asked him for Wake Forest? Amen. See? I praise God Jonathan had the faith and the courage to tackle something he, God would obviously put in his heart that is physically impossible, humanly speaking. Praise God for a man of faith like that. Amen? And I also praise God, this is number four, praise God for good armor bearers. Praise God for good armor bearers. Look in verse 7. Number four was praise God for good armor bearers, verse 7. <clears throat> and his, Jonathan's armor bearers, said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart, turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. <laughs> Amen. Do all that is in thine heart. Now, that phrase, turn thee, do you see it there? The phrase, turn thee. I didn't know what turn thee meant because I thought, what does turn thee mean? Do you, do you know what turn thee means? I didn't know either. So I had to look it up. And when I looked it up, found out it was a Hebrew expression. Well, I'm certainly no Hebrew scholar, that's for sure, and nor do I believe you have to know Hebrew or Greek to understand the Word of God. I don't believe that. I believe you just know this and this is fine because that's the Word of God, okay? So I'm trying to find out what does turn thee mean. And come to find out it was an, a Hebrew expression that means face about. <laughs> Thanks, Webster, that really helped. I don't know what face about means either. Now, I've heard about face, but I've never heard face about. I mean, there's a difference. So I'm looking further. So what in the world does face about mean? 
and come to find out the sense of this is, on with you, I will follow. Wow, there it is. Do all this according to thy heart. What God's put on your heart, you go do it. Turn thee, on with you, I'll follow. And you know what we'd say in English? We have a saying too, I've got your back. I've got your back. Wait a minute. Do you do what God's put in your heart? I've got your back. Let's go do this. Is that not what he said in verse 7? Uh, and his armor bearer said unto him, Joel is in thine heart. Turn thee. On with thee. I'll follow. I've got your back. Behold, I'm with thee according to thy heart. God's put that on your heart, and you want to go do this? I know that's impossible, but let's go do it. Let's just go ahead and trust God and go do this thing. Amen. Praise God for the faithful armor bearers in our churches like maybe assistants or youth men or the staff or just just loyal church members. Thank God for loyal armor bearers that are church members in a local assembly. Thank God for that. Because here's how this works. God, according to the Bible, in verse, uh, or in Hebrews, no, 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 Ephesians, there we go, I'm on it now. Ephesians, he gives the church a pastor of his choosing because the pastor's a gift to the local assembly. That's what God says. I didn't make it up. You can read it there. Not now, later, okay? All right, so, and then what happens is God gives the pastor a vision. <laughs> Here's the funny part. And it usually scares the socks plumb off his feet because it's impossible. God, I can't do that. Oh, we're right on the right track now. So then God not only gives the vision, but then he gives the courage to trust him for the impossible, and he puts in the hearts of the armor bearers the loyalty, the faithfulness to get behind the pastor saying, Pastor, we've got your back. Let's go get Roseville for Jesus. Amen. That's how that works. That's exactly how that works. I mean, you've seen the principle born out in Scripture, and here it is, beautifully portrayed for us in this historical event about Jonathan here. Hallelujah for that. See, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, 4.2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Folks, we just need to be faithful. <laughs> Thank the Lord for faithful armor bearers. You can't do it alone. I mean, it's impossible already. But I don't think God ever intends for the pastor to have to go it alone. It's a local assembly. And, and I don't know of any problems. pastor didn't talk about any problems. In fact, I'm getting caught up in what I'm hearing is a good report. Thank the Lord for what's going on here. This church of my, uh, every, how long I've known you now, what, two, three years, every how long it's been, has always had a great spirit. Praise the Lord for that. And we're excited to be here, and our friends are here, and we stay, and we text from time to time. I mean, it's not like we're just first day. It's like, hey, how are you? My name's Terry, you know. Okay? So I I'm, I'm said that to say, I don't know of any problems. But I'm here to encourage the saints today. Let us follow the man of God he sent for this place with a vision that's scaring them to death, that has to have a godly courage to go after it, and we can stay in the same faith, in the same God. If God's in this, we've got your back. Let's go do it for the Lord. 
Let's trust God to work. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For the Lord's no, for there's no restraint with the Lord to save by many or by few. Glory to God, what's going to happen next? Huh? Because when that happens, God gets involved and things happen. Yeah, amen. Well, so God gives a pastor to a church, gives the pastor a vision that scares him to death, and a holy courage to follow him, and low armor bearers. Now, trust God to do the impossible in that local area. Well, it doesn't even have to be local. I mean, God can do what he wants because he's like God. Yeah, amen. So I'm not trying to limit the Lord, for there's no restraint to the Lord. Amen. Well, that brings us to number five. Jonathan lays out the plan. I suppose if you're going to do the impossible, you've got to have a plan. <laughs> well, amen, you do. And in fact, I think it's kind of a dumb plan. <laughs> hey, I can have my opinion. And at the same time, I think it's a very good plan. But anyway, here's his plan, Jonathan's plan. Jonathan lays out the plan, verse 9. If they say thus, he's still talking to the armor bearer. Actually, starting verse 8. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we'll pass over unto these men, and we'll discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus to, unto us, Tearing till we come to you, then we'll stand still in our place, and we'll, know, and we'll not go up unto them. Pretty good plan so far, huh? <laughs> but if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we'll go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand. And this shall be a sign unto us. Amen. If one's going to do the impossible, we're going to have to have a plan. And the reason I think this is a dumb plan, because that's impossible. The reason I think it's a good plan, because you trust in God. Amen. Y'all figure that out later. So here he comes up with this plan. Here's Jonathan's plan in Taranese, okay? Okay, we're going to go over to these, these guys. And we're going to say, hee hee, we're over here. And if they say, you just wait right there, we'll be down. We'll stand still and go no further, game over. But if they say, come up to us, we know God's in it. <laughs> okay, here's the part <laughs> that I think is a little dumb. Is that the right word? Oh, well, you figured it out. He said the test for God's confirmation. If they say, come up here. <laughs> That's like the most likely thing they're going to say. So it's like Jonathan's kind of like pushing the envelope. Come on, Lord, let me do this. Come on, Lord, let me do this, you know. Because if I was going to get confirmation, I would ask like this. If God's in this, let him say, hey, my mom is going to make you some brownies. Because <laughs> they're not going to say that. <laughs> get the idea? Right? Oh, like y'all don't ever do that. I mean, we want to know that we know that we know and then make sure, right? Now, Jonathan's going, hey, if they say come up to us, we know God's in this one. <laughs> What's the most likely answer? They're going to say come up here. Well, anyway, that's what happened. I told you it was kind of a silly plan at the least, okay? All right, well, <laughs> what an evidence of Jonathan's confidence in the Lord's ability. Think about that. 
It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or to save by few. One, two, two, few. Yep, that's us. Amen. So number six is Jonathan's confidence in the Lord. Jonathan's confidence in the Lord. All right, here we are in verse 11. And both of them discovered themselves into the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they have hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up unto us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. Oh, I love that part. Did you catch what he said? He said, the hand of Israel. Jonathan didn't say, hey, do it for me, for my glory, so I can get my names in the headlines of the sword of the Lord or something. He said he delivered them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan's glad to be a part of the team. He's in it for God's glory. Did you catch that part? So <laughs> here they are. Tearing knees again, okay. Yoo-hoo, we're over here. Oh, look, here come the chickens. You know, they come crawling out of the cage and the whole thing and stuff. Hey, chickens, come on up here. We'll show you a thing or two. <laughs> Could you hear the mockery? And Jonathan, if he was from Indiana, would have said, Hot no, God's in this. Let's get her done. But he's from Israel. So he said, The Lord has delivered him in the hand of Israel. Okay, y'all have any imagination. <laughs> Man, when you read these accounts, you got to get into them. Before long, you'll be shouting by the end of this message. I mean, this is exciting stuff here, man. People read the Bible and say, Bible's boring. You just said you don't read it. This is exciting. All right, well, that's what happens. You know, the enemy always tries to intimidate, doesn't he? But when your faith and confidence in God, they don't know who they're messing with. Oh, they weren't messing with Jonathan. They're messing with God. Yeah, amen. So number next, whatever number one, what is it, seven? Six, yeah, I think one's seven. The challenges before the main event. The challenge before the main event. All right, verse 13. And Jonathan climbed upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And there fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made were about 20 men wherein as it were a half acre of land which the yoke of oxen might plow. <laughs> Amen. Time out. Okay. So the challenge before the main event. Remember we talked about the two cliffs. Mispah and Sheena, I think, were their names, if I remember right. Yes, okay. He had to get from A to B. That meant he had to climb two jagged, treacherous cliffs. Has anybody ever done any mountain climbing? Okay. How about rappelling? Rappelling's kind of fun. You just want to make sure you keep your legs out, because if you kind of, like, put them down, you go, smack, Okay. Bad plan. So, so you know, you want to keep your legs out. Just point in case you ever do it. Just reference there. Okay. 
but but you know in, in our place they have this place called turkey run and and nothing like the mountains you all have uh but they have an easy trail and a hard trail even on the easy trail when i'm to the top i'm going because <gasps> <gasps> it wears you out what i'm trying to say is if you go on mountain climbing you're going to get tired you're going to get physically exhausted the other thing i noticed pastor was i was very thirsty you're going to get thirsty and if, if you're doing any type of mountain climbing, there's a good possibility that you're going to skin up a knee or skin a shin somewhere along the line because it just happens. So when Jonathan got to the main event, he may have had bloody knees already. He was certainly hot, tired, and thirsty. With me? And if you've done much mountain climbing, it's not unlikely or stretching anything or trying to inject something that's not there. He might have had a few bloody knuckles by that point. Because when you're dealing with rocks, they're jagging it. I mean, you're climbing. There's a good possibility you're going to get up a couple skinned up knuckles before you get there. Agree? So here he is. He's going through battles before he even gets to the main event. And folks, did you realize sometimes people start out strong? But they die on the rocks before they ever accomplish what God intended for them to do. It's because their faith waned. They shipwrecked. Huh. They didn't have the stick to inness. They didn't have the faithfulness, and therefore, they didn't see the results that they'd hoped to see. And then. The flesh gets involved and we'd say, oh, I tried that church thing. It didn't work for me. I'm glad it works for you, but it didn't work for me. You listening? See, people fall out sometimes because of discouragement. Because the way gets hard. And you get tired. And you get hot, and you skin a few knees, and you bust a few knuckles. You might begin to think, what's the use? And when we put those kinds of things into life, and life happens even in a Christian's life, hey, folks, we need to just keep trusting God. Do you think the devil's just going to go, oh, look, Lighthouse loves souls. They want to win Rossville to him. I'll leave them alone. <laughs> I wish he would say that. I wish he'd leave our family alone. Oh, look, the Danvers, they travel down the highway, and he preaches the gospel all over the place. See people saved, people get help, and, and, and God do things. I think I'll leave them alone. <laughs> I wish he would. You can expect stuff. But you ought to have the desire that you want to do what God has created you to do. And you ought to have the desire that you want to accomplish everything that God has purposed for your life to accomplish. And that's not going to happen doing the easy things. That's not going to happen doing the possible things. That's not going to happen just sitting here waiting on it to happen. See, this isn't some kind of passive faith. This is a very active faith. 
He's out there sweating. He's out there spending energy. He's out there scuffing his, uh, his knees up. He's out there busting his knuckles. And finally, he gets to the purpose that God had for him the whole time, the impossible event. But if he didn't stay faithful in the small skirmishes, he'd never see the miracle he's about to see. Wouldn't it be sad if you all miss seeing a miracle by this much? Because you quit here rather than taking the last step to get to here. You may be one step away from seeing God do the impossible in your life. Can't quit now. Amen. How, how many has been saved for 10 years again? 15? 20? 30 plus? How many has been saved less than 10 years? Y'all are just on the beginning of this journey. Do you trust God more now than you used to? Do you fall out with worry and fretting along the way? Did, did you realize God wants to do the impossible through you? Right now? I'm guessing. I don't know, so I don't want to be assumptive. But when you came in this morning, you probably didn't think about, I'm trusting God for the impossible. Let's see what he does today. Because sometimes, when we've been saved 10, 20, 30 years, church becomes a routine and certainly should be a habit of life. Good night, be faithful in church. But don't let the faithfulness and the familiarity Still the anticipation of the joy of going with an expectation to see what God is going to do today. <laughs> we don't serve a dead Savior. The Bible says we serve a living God. Amen? What are you going to ask him for? What are you willing to leave on the field for the Lord? Do you have the attitude Jonathan did? I'm going to die trying. If I die, I'm going down swinging, but I'm going to be swinging for God because these uncircumcised garrison are a bunch of God haters. And if I'm going to go down, I'm going down standing for my Savior. Is that not his attitude? Where did that faith come from? Somewhere along the line, God must have been talking to Jonathan for Jonathan to take such measures and thank God for that little armor bearer. said, hey, on with you. I'll follow. I've got your back. Pastor, lead us on. We don't understand everything, but if that's what God's giving you, count us in. We've got your back. Let's see what God's going to do. Amen? Well, well, amen. Well, he finally... <laughs> get to the main event <laughs> and number eight is this God gets involved number eight is God gets involved <laughs> Man, I like this part. verse 15 and there was a trembling in the host in the field and among all the people the garrison and the spoilers they also trembled and the earthquake shows a very great trembling 
<laughs> Amen. Okay, now, look up here. Let's think about this. Here's Jonathan. This is impossible. But there's no restraint to the Lord. It may be that God's going to work for us. Whether he says by many or by few. Let's find out. Shall they go out there? Hey, come up here. God's in this. Let's go. And they went up there. And they had to climb two cliffs to get there. So they show up hot, tired, thirsty, bloody knuckles, and skinned up shins. And they get in a fight. And about a half acre of land, they whipped 20 guys. Slay them. That means they whacked them. Okay? Whacked in Greek means they killed them. Okay? So they whacked these guys. Now, I don't want to be irreverent to the Lord. But suppose God's sitting there in heaven and he goes, Hey, angels. He wouldn't have glasses, by the way. Hey, angels. Come here. See the guy down there fighting? <laughs> Maybe give him a little glimpse. This is a hypothetical. Okay? Give me some room here. Look, he's fighting for me. He's trusting me. I believe I'm going to get involved. I'll send an earthquake. No place starts great. <laughs> Very great trembling. What? Did you not read it? That's what happened. Okay. Now think with me. Here's Jonathan. He's whacking these 20 guys. Okay. 18, 19. And the earth starts to shake. Okay. Now wait a minute. Do you think Jonathan was thinking, okay, God, be any time now for an earthquake. I don't think Jonathan even thought of an earthquake. Because, see, God's ways are above our ways. And his thoughts are above our thoughts. And God can send an earthquake because he's like, God, he can choose to help you ever how he so wants to because he's God. <laughs> Amen. Are you buying this? All right. I could start over. I'm having fun. I'm, I'm awake now, but the blood is pumping, all right? Think. He can do it because he's God. But when God blessed, it's because Jonathan, by faith, stepped out. Now God's getting involved. Hey, church, look up here at me. Oh, I better take this. I'll be able to see what I'm saying. Watch. Come on, watch. Watch. Oh, God bless. I'm not mocking prayer. No, sir. Prayer's key. But sometimes this is all we do. Oh, God bless. He's not blessing. God really bless. He's not blessing. This is only part of it. You pray. And you pray like nobody's business. And then you get up in faith. And go climb those two cliffs. And when the heat's on, gotta get involved. Because that's how he works. You want to see God do something? Go. Go prayed up. But go. Huh. Amen. So God gets involved. Huh. And I don't think Jonathan thought of an earthquake. That's the beauty of this. You know what number nine is? Here's number nine. Others rally to the fight. When God gets involved, others rally to the fight. So it is. Others rally to the fight. Look at verse 16. <laughs> and the watchman of Saul, Gabeah, 
Abishman looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went unbeating down one another. Then said Saul, oh, this just cracks you up right here, unto the people that were with him, number now and see who's gone from us. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan, these armor bearers were not there. And Saul said in Ahiah, bring hither the ark of God. For the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. And it came to pass while Saul talked with, unto the priest that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased. And Saul said unto the priest, withdraw thy hand. And Saul said unto all the people that were with him assemble, or with him assembled themselves. And they came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow. And there's a very great discomfiture. Amen. So here's a young man that God put in his heart to trust God for the impossible. He shared his heart with his armor bearer. And the armor bearer said, hey, do all that's in your heart. On with thee. Turn about. Turn thee. I, I've got your back. Let's trust the Lord on this one. And they went out there and climbed two cliffs. They got in the fight. God gets involved. And when God gets involved and sends an earthquake, and they see the multitude beginning to melt away, Saul says, oh, it's time to pray. Again, I'm not mocking prayer, but while he's sitting under that tree with 600 men, he should have been praying then, not now. So then finally he had enough sense to go, oh, God's already involved. Let's go. And they get in the battle, and the Bible says that every man's sword was against himself, and there's very great discomfiture. You know what discomfiture means? I looked it up. Here's what it means. It means when they're being pierced through the stomach with a sword. <laughs> That's a discomfiture. <laughs> I agree. That would be uncomfortable, wouldn't it? That's what's going on. So here's the folks sitting on the sidelines. Oh, we haven't ever done it like that before. No, they no, really hadn't done it like that before. Oh, we can't do that. That's impossible. You know, we always have people encourage you. Remember when we first went in evangelism? Oh, you're going to starve to death. Thank you. Uh, oh, you'll never make it. This is the wrong time to go on evangelism. 20 years ago, maybe, but not today. Oh, this is the wrong time. Thank you. I haven't starved to death. <laughs> Amen. So, the, you know, you always got the side the bench warmers here. Well, when God gets involved, they get involved. You notice that? Wait a minute. That's not it. That's not it. <clears throat> Let's read on to the next verse. Uh, let see, wherever the next verse went. Here it is. Verse 21. And moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. Did you notice that? The people who went AWOL came back and they got in a fight. Well, amen. These folks went AWOL. They went over to the enemy's camp so they'd feel safe. They went back to the world so they'd feel comfortable again. But then when they seen God doing something, even these people got right, and they came, and they got in the battles. What the Bible says, all because there's a young man who trusted God for the impossible. Charity's burden with an armor bearer and said, Hey, on with thee. I've got your back. They got in the fight. God gets involved. The bench warmers, they get in the fight. And those who went AWOL got their hearts right, and they come get in the battle. That's what happens when God shows up. All because somebody trusted him for the impossible. Will that be you? Oh, it's not over. There's another group. The scaredy cats. 
the scaredy cats come out, they get in the fight too. Yeah, that's in verse next. Likewise, all, verse 22, in case you lost your place. Likewise, all the men that Israel, uh, likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them, what's it say, church, in the battle. Hallelujah. The folks just fell out of church along the way, whatever the reason or excuse. I'm afraid when they seen God get involved, they followed hard after, and they got in the battle. Amen. So I'm just saying, God gives a pastor to a church. And he gives a vision to that pastor, scares his socks, plumb off his feet. And he gives him a holy courage to follow after that. And then he gives the loyal armor bearers of the, of the folks that make up that assembly. In fact, I believe God's putting it in your hearts right now to get behind the pastor and say, on with thee, pastor. We'll follow. Turn thee. <laughs> Face about. We've got your back, you know. And let's do this for the Lord. And when God shows up, oh, it just may be that the Lord will work for Lighthouse. For there's no restraint to the Lord to say by many or by few. Amen? And when God gets involved, then the bench warmers, they'll want to get in the game. Those who have gone AWOL to the enemy's camp, they'll come back. They'll want to get involved. And then the scaredy cats along the way that fell out, they'll hear what's going on. They'll want to come back. Because I'm telling you, when God gets involved, folks, people want to be there. Amen? Don't you want to be there when God's involved? <laughs> I do. Thought that one brother said he wanted to get under the glory spout. Find where the glory's coming out and just stand under the glory spout. I, I, I kind of like that. That's where I want to stand. Just turn it on, you know. I want to see his glory. Well, amen. All right, number 10. Isn't that funny? If I'd have told you I had 10 points in the beginning, you would have gone, 10 points, this is crazy. <laughs> and here we're at number 10, you didn't say anything. So here we are. Number 10. God gives the victory. Verse 23. God gives a victory. Look, so the Lord saved Israel that day. Okay, you didn't get it. Let me read it again. So the Lord saved Israel that day. Oh, folks, you not see this? One person got it. Look at this. So the Lord saved Israel that day. Amen, preacher. That's exactly what happened. The Lord saved Israel that day. Amen. Why? Because somebody had the courage to trust God. For the impossible. Amen. So we need some Jonathans. That see the need. Understand the challenge. And trust God for the victory. By leaving it all on the field. Willing to die trying. Giving their all. I mean leaving 110%. And it may be. That the Lord will work for us. If we trust him, remember, there's no restraint to the Lord to say by many or to say by few. Listen now, is God challenging Lighthouse to take his town? 
you have the faith to ask him, do you have the courage to go? Next time there's so wet and playing by the pastor, I realize this week's camp and all that's going on, but whenever the next schedule, I don't know when it is, don't even tell me, but whenever it is, if everybody in here shows up, after he picks himself up off the floor, he'll find somewhere for you to go visit. <laughs> that was a joke. But the part, the serious part, he'll find somewhere to go. You go knock on some doors. Sometimes when I went with my pastor once, he had an idea. We just hit all the gas stations in town. That was real hard. It's like one, so we went to another town. <laughs> but when we went in there, you walk in through the little convenience thing, seeing people, give them tracks, invite them out to church, go to the pumps, talk to people about them out because there's somebody there. Then we went down, then went over to, I think it was Pittsburgh. We went there and done that one. We drove over to Jamestown, and, and we done that gas station. What we're doing? Out where the people are. You ever knock on the door and nobody answer? Actually, we did that just to change it up a little bit. Just to keep it fresh. So by the time they figure out what we're doing, we're already going to the next gas station. Since they don't know where we're going, they can't go, hey, they're coming to yours, you know. They don't know. So it's like in, hit them hard, and gone, man. It's just like the Marines, you know. Amen. You can have fun at this. I'm just challenging the church. Why don't you trust God for the impossible? Amen. Why don't you say, yeah, Pastor. You follow the Lord's vision. He's got your back. He's got your back. You know? We need some armor bearers. They're willing to be faithful. To follow their pastors to great victories wrought by the Lord because it was impossible. Amen? Are you willing to say, hear my Lord, count me in. You know, God may want to start a church out of this church. That's impossible. I know. Without him, it is. There's nothing to say that couldn't happen in the next five years. Hey, Sandy Creek started with, what, seven, uh, 14 people? And in two years, planted 17 churches. And uh, within two years, running 600. And let's see, what was the other one? By the 1800s, there was 1,000 churches planted. That's New Testament missions. There's New Testament church planting. That's what it is. Amen? I'm not even opposed to say, Lord fills this place up. Yeah, start a church, but... Be good if you have to, rather than just remodel here, you have to build on. Who's filling with that hurt? Oh, bummer, we got to build on. Well, you just go down to the Methodist church, you'll be all right, okay? No, I shouldn't have said it. Sorry, forget that. Erase that off that tape someplace, okay? Man, why did I do that? Anyway, yeah, I'm asking this church if you just trust God for the impossible. Stand. Heads are bowed.